Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're going to talk about cathartic gaming. So we kind of touched upon this subject a few times in previous subject episodes. Uh, episodes, means. I mean. Yes, sorry. Specifically when we discussed uh, psychology and gaming, but we thought it deserved its own episode, right? So when we talked about psychology and gaming, we were talking about the idea that what playing games helps you with like we talked about kids and and gaming and and how that it helps you to develop social skills and stuff right just being at a table with gamers right and what you can learn and also it can help you with different aspects of your life one of the things we talked about was autistic kids being taught different methods of helping them to deal with real life through gaming so So that's that's one of the things about psychology and gaming. So this is just about cathartic gaming. And can you tell me what the definition of cathartic is, Saul? We really wanted to make sure that we understood what cathartic meant. And there's two words, cathartic and catharsis. So according to uh, Merriam-Webster, is cathartic is providing psychological relief through the open expression of strong emotion. Uh, catharsis is something that has to do with through strong emotions you get spiritual or psychological rebirth, which is kind of heavy duty. Or relief, I'm thinking, maybe not rebirth. Uh, well, yeah. So, you know, you get the idea. When you say rebirth, I think of a butterfly, right? <laughs> or a, or a, a moth. What, what is it before? It's a caterpillar, and then it turns into a butterfly, right? Right, right, right. That's a cathartic experience. I forget what it's called. Chrys- chrys- C- chrysalis, chrysalis. Something like that. Yes. Anyway. This is a pretty touchy subject because, well, it's a heavy subject in my eyes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Saw thinks a lot of things are touchy. <laughs> so just so we're clear, we're just going to talk about three different things, really. I really? mean, Saul has a lot of things written down, so I want to make sure that we're clear on this. There's the idea, one, is like Tales of the Loop. The game Tales of the Loop is about kids from teenagers, right? The, from 11 to 16. And they're in the basically in the 1980s. Yes. So one of the things I think that this brings out in people if of a certain age, especially Saul's age... Um, is that, you know, during that time was when, when uh, role-playing games first came out, right? So people were, it was a different kind of time, right? There was, everything was, I could say black and white, but it really wasn't. You know, but it, were, f- it felt that way at the time. People who were gamers that started playing them then might have been ostracized, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. They were the outsider okay, or something like that. So that could have, have an effect on, if you, if you had a good time as a teenager or you didn't have a good time as a teenager or you had a bad childhood or a good childhood that could come out in your gaming if you're playing a game like that. And I've noticed that a lot of people talk about Tales of the Loop having giving people crises of of emotional crises, right? They either want to play it or they don't want to play it. It's too heavy for them or or they're really enjoying it cuz they 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 have that nostalgic kind of feeling, right? I agree. But there's people who are much younger than me who can play that game. And still have a lot of fun. Well, a lot of people, when they're teenagers, have a lot of problems. So really? it's good. it could be cathartic to work out those problems, I suppose. Back to high school and deal with your problems. Yeah. Or in this case, you know, middle school. I agree with most, most of what you said. For me, there's cathartic gaming. And along with that is escapism, right? For me, uh, I, don't, I don't usually play games to... Deal with past issues? You know, use strong emotion to get through... Or to release stress, right? Uh, for me, it's a little bit less intensive because when I, I don't a cathartic is there's is on a range, right? There's right. there's there's escapism, there's a like diversion, and then there's cathartic gaming. And I don't usually ha- get to that cathartic gaming side of the spectrum. 
Well, but when when you told Augustine what the definition of of cathartic was, he says he said that isn't that all role playing that you're going to release stress? I had not, not thought of that, and I guess you know in a certain way, all gaming is cathartic because all games are about getting away from your mundane life and getting away from well from your mundane life. And right. so so some people have really stressful jobs or stressful lives, and so when they get to a gaming table, it's like ah, oh, you know they can you know let all that stuff go and go into this immersive you know uh shared role-playing experience. experience so which causes it's not them- only just people with stressful lives right there's people with physical limitations or people who have had uh you know medical problems things like that that makes it so that their their lives are harder right correct then when they come and play games if they're a role player then they can be and do whatever they want during that game so that i think that falls into that category of um what did you call it escapism yeah yeah so if you have a hard time getting around and stuff you can play whatever character you want a superhero or whatever or the person who gets to go and save people right where in your real life you may not get to do that well, most people probably don't do that in the real life. <laughs> I don't think like you're a firefighter or a cop, right? Who sees a lot of a lot of stressful those type of stressful situations where you actually can save people or a soldier or a soldier, right? Most people's lives, you know, they they, they clock in, clock out Monday, you know, Monday, Monday through Friday, yeah. you know, and I guess people who with disabilities or people who you know no longer have or who have a difficulty mobility wise, they can you know remember or pretend that they're that they're this big, strong barbarian or Luke Skywalker type character. It's a way to do what you would want to do, right? Without actually having to do it. You right. can talk about it. You can, so that would be cathartic, right? It would relieve stress. It would help you to, to feel comfortable, right? For yes, me, it's correct. like uh, I have very stressful jobs usually okay. um, with dealing with, with people high up and trying to make sure everything goes the way it's supposed to. Right. And um, taking care of financial stuff, right? Correct. So that can be stressful in and of itself. I just agree. That kind of stuff, right? So then you come to a gaming table and you get to be, I get to be a sorceress and throw around <laughs> fireballs when I want to, <laughs> which is better than throwing fireballs in real life because I could get in trouble for that, right? <laughs> There'll be a lot of mayhem on the, on the highway, right? So yeah. it is a stress reliever. Yeah, you're right. I, I hadn't thought about it that much because like if even if you think about it, watching television or reading books is a way of escapism. It's a way of relieving stress. And if and in role playing games, it's even more so because you're more immersed. You're more. Uh, what is it? Uh, you're taking a more active part in what's going on. And so it really can relieve more stress than just you know, like it's just playing escapism and just watching a movie or reading a book. And you're socializing with and the people around with you. People around you, yes. So at first, I'm thinking, well, I don't really play games to for a cathartic experience, but at the at the at the very least, every everybody is in a certain level because it's let's say we're talking about a spectrum. So for me, escapism is a very low end of of de-stressing and stuff like that. Where where I had a friend who talked told me about you know uh, he called and that's where we got the name. Is he called it a cathartic experience because because he, he had he had a couple of deaths in the family and he was gonna go into a role he was gonna go play a role playing game and he knew these people who played this role playing game uh, was a it was a one shot I forget what the name of the game was but it was gonna be a really emotional game and he wasn't sure if he wanted to play because 
of the two deaths in his family within months, you know, and, and, and I go, and I go, so did you go play? He goes, yeah. He goes, I, I played anyway. And, and it was cathartic. He said, and he, and, and I, I, I had to look it up cause I, I really didn't know what the word means. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm not sure I would have been that brave and put myself in that situation knowing that this game is supposedly an emotional game and I'm already emotional as it is because of, of my personal life. And then you go out there and go to the game and then, and I guess, you know, he, he, you know, people around him at the game, you know, they all had this experience and he felt better about it. And so, so I was, it got me thinking though, you know, you know, when you, when you go to a group that you feel safe with, and people know you personally or don't know you personally, depending on the situation. There's a, uh, you know, there's kind of this aspect of like group therapy, right? Because you feel you feel safe enough to, you know, open yourself up for, you know, I don't know for what, but you open yourself up and and be, be sort of vulnerable to to people. And if they say the wrong thing or if they're jerks, they could really, you know, uh, hurt you more. But usually, if you're in a group of people who are sh trying to share this experience, they're not going to be jerks to you. So people pay a lot of money to go to psychologists <laughs> and psychiatrists and have role playing experiences <laughs> where role players just go and do it for free. <laughs> so, well, I don't know. And I say that, I say that in tongue in cheek, yeah. but it is, it is true that you never know who's sitting at your table. I mean, you do know them. You may know if they're your friends and stuff, you may actually know what they're going through in their lives. Right. But sometimes you, if you're at a convention or something, you don't know. You literally may not know any of the people at your table. Right. So you, that means you don't know where they're, where they are in their in their world, right? Right. But but if you if you're playing like a you know an emotional game, like some of these games are are geared toward that kind of stuff, and and maybe you know it's better to 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 let out those kind of of emotions with strangers right because then there's no hang up later about what you said to people that maybe you don't want your friends to know about certain things that's going on and it's easier to tell a stranger right that's why i think you know when you if you're at an airport and you sit by some person who's just like is telling you their life story i you know you're like saul's learned that this happens because he lives with me and has spent 30 years with me so and <clears throat> my dad had was bipolar so I get crazy people coming up to me wherever we go telling us, telling me their life story. And if I can, I avoid them completely. But if you make eye contact with them, they somehow they sense that I will listen to them without judging them. <laughs> and I do because, you know, that's just I couldn't understand. I relate to their their feelings of whatever. And I just go, yeah, OK. I don't usually say anything because they just want to tell me stuff, right? Yeah, but it does happen. It, it happens to me too. Some people come up to me, you know, especially when we're traveling. I don't know. I don't know what in that part, that time we had a did we had did we didn't sit sit in different parts of the airplane or something, did we? No. Okay. Cause I, don't, I I was just at the airport. I guess it was waiting for the for the we're in the terminal, and some guy just starts telling me his life story, and I'm like, I'm like, and I'm thinking, you know, why I would never do that to somebody because. Why would I bore somebody to death, you know, about... Was I standing next to you when he did no, this? No, you left. Okay. You went to go do something else. I and usually so, try to walk away. Yeah. And so and so I, th I think this is what what role-playing can be, is, is you're, you're, you're using uh, the game to, to 
release some stress and sometimes you know you can you can play in an emotional game and in the game you can you know role play that out and release some stress through that strong emotional end of our uh, you know in fact I was talking to one of our players um, Steve and I was we were we were talking about touchy feely games about about <laughs> you know delving into certain aspects of of life and he's like well i wouldn't want to play in a game like that because that's not really what i look for he looks for escapism he likes to you know have fun and nothing heavy right right well you know and then some people are more open than others right steve's kind of a you know he, he tries to keep control of himself the whole time I mean, i've never seen him you know get too emotional about anything you know where other people are a little bit easier to they they find it easier to dis open displays of emotions i think it all depends on what kind of you know your personality is like yes it does it does yeah i think when we play games it can be just a diversion and, and that's fine when you play as a kid you know it's all about collecting stuff right it's like owning stuff you know, you want as much gold as you can, as much magical items. And I remember, and I, this is pretty funny, that when when you play original D&D and you actually use the rules to generate the treasure, you can be, literally we had wagons full of stuff, our characters did. And we had gold, we had magic items, we had this and that. And we literally had like three wagons that we carted everywhere with us because we had so much stuff. I remember somebody saying, you know, but that they, they played that way when they were kids. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the way we were. It's all about money. It's all about greed. And I was just thinking of my son. It's all about his greediness and his chair building to sell to make more money. And they're all greedy. They all want money. They all want stuff. But when you hit a certain age, I'm not gonna say what age that is. It's like you don't want stuff, right? You want to get rid of stuff. You know, you you already have enough money, or more or less, and you know you don't want to cut around all this stuff all the time. So you just you know you want to downsize, right? And you want to you know be able to to uh, just convert your stuff into gems so you can carry it with you. <laughs> There's that too, but it's so funny that 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 aspect, you know, that those ideas come about just because of the age that you're playing, right? And at the same time, you know, when you when your kids, you know, maybe at least when we were kids, when I was a kid in the 80s, it wasn't uh, as open. You couldn't. What is it? I'm looking for people w would make fun of you if they saw, saw you playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, you're a nerd. and You play the other game. So a lot of my, a lot of my friends were like, well, don't closet Dungeons and Dragons. No, players. Closet players. Right. <laughs> yes. Like our friend Mike. Right. He would not acknowledge playing even up into his adult life and then and then i remember this one gamer uh he usually has a podcast and uh and he goes he goes i don't give a crap anymore i, I literally I'm, I'm i'm 40 something years old and if somebody starts making fun of me i'm like okay yeah does that make you feel like a big man <laughs> you know and so he goes because i don't give a crap he was like you know because you would hide it you know when he was in his early 20s or 30s right he you know but now he has this big old huge foam 20-sided dice on his desk and he has some other accoutrements about role playing, and so people go, "Oh, you're a gamer," and he's and he openly talks about it at work, where he would never do that, and so would I. I would never. In fact, I would tell people I'd go camping instead of telling them I would go to a convention, right? You are a dork. <laughs> <laughs> things that change. I don't even want to go into what the psychology of that is. <laughs> the fact that you you don't want to do things like that way. That's funny. But now I don't care. I am I'm I'm fifty one years old. 
you know, I tell people, oh, I'm going to go to KublaCon. I'm going to go to DungeonCon. And, like, everybody at work already knows, oh, Saul's going to his gaming convention. They may not have They a- have no idea what that is. <laughs> they but, may not have you know. a clue. So things change. And uh, Well, I think that falls into the, if you're talking about cathartic gaming, that could fall into the first category I gave you of when you're playing, like, a, a game where you're, where you're playing a teenager, it brings back all of those ideas of yes. of of teenage angst that yes. you aren't that you don't fit in and stuff. And there's quite a few games that deal with teens. Like there's a what is it? Monster Hearts. It's Monster about Hearts. it's about teenagers. Uh, Savage World has North Texas University, which has to do with young college people. And I don't know if it's what it's geared toward, what it's aimed at, but it seems like there's that new one that we just bought, um, the Bubble Gum Shoe. Bubble Gum Shoe deals with. Uh, uh, it was like it's like, um, what is that show? Scooby Doo. Well, it's more like Nancy Drew and the Hardy Nancy, Boys, right? That's what I said, yeah, but you said, said. Scooby Doo. But I was thinking Scooby Doo, you know, where they run around and solve mysteries. Yeah. So that band. that has to do with with the teenagers. Although yes. when I was a, when I was a kid watching Scooby Doo, I didn't know if they were really teenagers or young adults because. Oh, yeah, I never, I never thought Cause about it. Because they them. drove, right? So they had to be 16 at least, right? At least. And they were on their own the whole time, so they had to be... So they must have been like college students. At 18, yeah, college students, yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> college students. <laughs> and then there were Scooby Snacks and Shaggy and all kinds of things. Well, so. that, that was kind of weird. Now that I think about it, talking dog. But that, that well, I don't think that's weird because people talk to their dogs all the time and, and act as if their dogs are talking back to them. <laughs> so knowing that people can have emotional release of stress at your games that just puts more pressure on the game master right well at the i don't know about pressure but you should realize or have the realization that that if you ha- touch on touchy subject that it might you know have an, an emotional effect not on only touchy players. subjects but you said that when you ran your was it dresden tales of loop tales of the loop game you ran it in monterey and you had someone drowned in, yes. your, in your game and when i say you don't know who's sitting at the table with you you actually had someone sitting at the table who's whose friends drowned in monterey right when he was and, a kid and so that had to have been and you even stopped the game and said are you okay we can do we can we can you know well, it was the end of the scene already, and because I, I forget how he, I forgot how how he came about because I was telling him to see what you know what the scene was, and then after the scene was over and he uh, and he said something, I'm like, what? He goes sitting right next to me, and he goes, oh, you know, and he told me, and I'm like, oh, dude, I'm sorry, and he goes, oh, it happened like he said it happened a long time ago, like I think he said like 20 years ago, I didn't think he was that old, but he must have been in his 40s. And he goes, or something like that. And and I'm like, oh. I mean, that's what got me the, the idea to actually start using the X card at my table for those situations where I'm just presenting a scene, didn't think much of it, and here's this guy who, or person who is, could Has have lived the scene who had, and you didn't even know. Could have, could have, you know, been emotionally bothered by something like that. And he said he was okay about it. And, you know, it was the end of the scene, so I didn't. So you just moved on. I just moved on. If he had told me before or during the scene, I could have just said, "Okay, we're moving on." You know, right, right. You know, but just cut it. Yeah, so that's what goes into my idea that you don't know who's sitting at your table, yes. right? Even Sometimes. if you do know the people, you don't know what kind of week they had, or if they're your your friends, right? You maybe you do, and maybe you might stay away from touchy subjects, or if if you're like you know some people, they like to deal with those kind of touchy subjects, right? right? And the teenage thing, like Monster Hearts and stuff, is a weird game because to me, because you're playing monsters, right? Yes. 
and you're trying to get people to like you? Well, or I you're mean, steal- it, it, you're all monsters, and then you're all dealing with the high school day to day. You stuff. are in love with people and yeah, different weird all things. That so, so that that brings out a lot of stuff for people. Yes, that kind yes. of thing, which is is funny because if I were to play in a game like that, I would play it campy because to me it would be I wouldn't be invested in the in the scenes or character, right? To yes. me, for me, right? Because I wouldn't want to get emotionally involved in that. It's not a it's not something that appeals to me. Correct. And it doesn't appeal to me either. I mean, I don't like, I mean, I don't want to cry at a freaking table of strangers. I don't want to, I don't want to have that emotional outburst. Just, I just don't want to. So I don't play those kind of really emotional games. So I, you know, I steer, I steer toward more diversion and more, you know, escapism type games. Cause I find that more fun. You know, that's why I have, that's why we, that's why I play role playing games. Though, you know, uh, psychologists and stuff have used role playing to elicit emotional release, emotional responses to release stress from their patients, right? To help people deal with their problems. Right. So when you GM a game like that, where you have some emotional stuff? Yeah. Or, or anything that could, I hate to use the word trigger, but could cause somebody to feel strong emotions. The problem with that is that you don't know what's going to cause people to feel strong That's emotions, true. right? That's true. It could yeah. be a simple scene in town where somebody says something that, and you're right, I don't like the word trigger. <laughs> <laughs> that sets somebody off. It sets somebody off, yes. In their brain, anyway. Maybe they're sullen for the rest of the game. Maybe after the game, they'll tell you what it was or something like that. Yeah, but I think cer- certain people, well, certain people, certain GMs, when they, when they put something, a scene into a game, they're trying to elicit a certain reaction. You were just mentioning before we were play before we went on the microphone about Call of Cthulhu, how horror kind of is definitely trying to elicit a reaction from their players. What I was saying is that Stephen King, oh yeah, is uh he's a pol- everybody knows him. Well, I guess not everybody knows him, but most people know him. He's a horror writer, right? And he says that he writes things that, about things that scare him, right? Which is why I cannot read his books because. Everything that scares him scares me. <laughs> so you would be a horrible GM for you. <laughs> Get yeah, I, w- I, I, and I really don't play in horror games. I like like supernatural, which is horror, right? A horror genre, right? But you're you're fight you're a monster fighter or yes. you're fighting the monsters, which I guess in Call of Cthulhu is what you're doing, right? Although in Call of Cthulhu. You're trying not to go crazy, or you're trying to go crazy. I don't know. I try to stay away from crazy as much as possible. I know that that's part of the the Call of Cthulhu thing, right? You're, it's basically you're fighting your fears, whatever or whatever your GM is putting in front of you that could scare you or him or her. Well, Call of Cthulhu is a strange bird because uh, it is a horror a horror game, and you're not fighting your fears, but you're fighting things that are so horrible that your character just by reading about it or getting a glimpse of it or just the realization that this thing exists causes you to lose sanity. And as your sanity goes down, your character becomes, at a certain point, he becomes unplayable because he can't do anything because he's too catatonic all the time and stuff like that. So, so that really is a cathartic game because if uh, you're, you're, you're... I think I've only played in one Call of Cthulhu game. Two, one was really late. I think I talked about it really late at... at Kublicon and I don't remember what happened. And then because I was really tired, it was like at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and and the other one was, was Morgan's game. But it felt more like a monster hunting game. 
I mean, it was a good game. I had a lot of fun. But even other people who played the game, they said, well, that wasn't really a Cthulhu, a real Cthulhu game. Where our friend Shannon, he came up with a game called uh, Search for Brian Baru or something like that. And I guess it's really scary and it's really emotional because Honda and Jason both said it was fantastic. And even though they they had like a cathartic moment because they were they were talking about how emotional it was. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad I missed that one. Right. Because I'm not, you know, that's not my kind of thing. Uh, We're probably going to play again. And the next game is going to be another one by Shannon. But it's supposedly not going to be that bad. Okay. Dockside Dogs, I think, is the name of the scenario. But I think that a lot of people, I mean, Call of Cthulhu is one of the biggest games, right? People love that kind of Horror stuff. Horror game. Yeah, they love that. that genre, that that feel that it it gives them, it scares them, I guess. I, and it, it, it gives them an emotional response. Depending on the game. Depending on the adventure. You're right. I'm not so much into things that scare me. but <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty hard to scare you. I mean, come on, really. In, in, in a role-playing game. I think it'd be very difficult to scare somebody, really scare them. What you could do, though, is emotionally affect them, and that's, and maybe that's almost the same as scaring somebody. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. That is a major part of Call of Cthulhu because you know I don't know if you can really scare people, but you certainly can elicit I think you emotions can from them by scaring you are. Especially things that they that scare people, right? That fear. It's the fear factor, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I told it's you. It's like when, when we are at something and a mime comes up and stands next to me and you're <laughs> like, don't look, Jolene. Cause, and I'm like, is it a clown? Because I hate clowns. She absolutely hates clowns, yes. And it's not that they, they don't elicit. They elicit a, a innate response from me that I think they should just be dead. <laughs> so that's just me, though. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people have that same kind of... I, I just find them grotesque and they... They symbolize, you know, death and whatever. Really? Right? I, You know what's weird is I never really minded clowns, but years and years of living with Jolene, I, I, I've started not to like clowns. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how that happens. So, so anything y- having to do with clowns is not something I'm into, right? And if there are going to be clowns, then I'm going to kill them <laughs> if it's a role-playing game because that's just what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I put any clowns <laughs> in my <laughs> games just so you can kill them. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty nuts. But I was talking about is if you're gonna put stuff that you know might emotionally affect some people, be ready or understand that that might happen and deal with those kind of situations. You know, I don't. You know, what I'm saying is don't don't come up with a situation where you're like, man, people, that's pretty messed up, and think, oh yeah. You know, it's oh, not gonna, uh, nobody, that's not going to affect yeah, anybody. Or, or, or not want to deal with, with that kind of emotional response. You know what I mean? Be, be an un, uh, unresponsible GM, I guess. I don't know what you'd call it. But knowingly put stuff that's going to might trigger people and then not expect certain consequences or not want to deal with that, I think is a bad mistake. So I don't know what he's what exactly he's alluding to. Are you alluding to taboo subjects or are no? You no, I'm just saying like like somebody like, no. dying in your party or or an NPC that you really liked is. Well, I'm talking about you know uh, a certain situation. You know, if you know such and such a mother recently died and you kill off such and such character's mother in the game, oh. that might have a bad effect on the game. You know, and so that might elicit a response, an emotional response from that player. And if you put that in the game. Knowing that's that information and be prepared for that to have that emotional response from that person, the player, not necessarily the character. 
That would be very mean. I'm just saying. Well, you know, you, sometimes you know you come up with stuff and and don't think about it. But oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Or maybe you don't know their mom died. Or you don't know their mom died. You know, maybe you're not that close. Or whatever. Yeah. But but anytime you deal with strong emotional situations, you know, sometimes you got to be careful with what, how it might affect people. Right. That's what I'm saying. Well, and you never know. That just goes back to you never know what people are really going right. through. Right. Right. I put a simple a simple scene I thought of these kids drowning in in the Monterey Bay, and and because everybody's local, I I didn't even think about it. There might be a strong chance of somebody at the table who knew somebody who had that experience a real life experience if you don't live in california and you don't know it's easy to drown at the beaches here because they have we have rip tides and yeah so it's a it's not a it's not an unusual thing well uh, people just uh just this week a couple people tied in san francisco <laughs> um rip tides because really? they yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well because it was so hot people were out in the water and you know and the problem is is that well i hate to talk about it but you know uh, it, usually there's no lifeguards in certain beaches no, yeah and that we do have riptides and the, i don't know if you know what riptide is it's basically it's a current under the water that takes you out to sea and unless you've unless you know about it and know what to do and right. don't freak out you're gonna yes. not it's, it's not gonna, gonna be, be real difficult to get out of that yeah. situation so yes yeah, so be careful out there if uh, in, in the water and we're you know if i were to put like a polar bear attack the chances of people you know that would be an odd in Monterey to have a polar <laughs> bear attack. But yeah, but but the chances of people, you know, knowing somebody got attacked by a polar bear <laughs> are a lot less. Are a lot less than somebody drowning yes. in Monterey Bay. Yes. You know, when it's just right here. That's what I'm talking about. And I should have been more cognizant of that, I guess, but I didn't and Well, you weren't you were just thinking about things for the game, right? Right. Right. Yes. So when you're a GM, you don't know what you what your things are going to come off to other people as the things the ideas you come up with, right? Yeah. Yeah. You could be running a, a module from somewhere, and that could affect somebody That's true. you don't know. Because there was a series of deaths that happened that the kids are investigating. And one of the deaths was electrocution. But nobody complained about that because I guess nobody's ever had anybody electrocuted by accident. And that's what this was about. And that's what happened in, th in this situation. Well, if you ever have known anyone who's been electrocuted, they might not have died or anything, right? But they could have <laughs> been. You, if you've ever accidentally been electrocuted when you've been fixing uh, wires or something, you know that feeling. So it's like, a, oh, yeah, I know what that's like, right? And yes. That would be a horrible way to die. That would be horrible. Well, I don't know. I never had that feeling. Well, I don't know. I, I've been, I've, I've felt that before. <laughs> I've been zapped a few a times, yeah. but nothing like, yeah. seriously zapped. Where, where your arm's like, Ugh. Yeah, yeah. No, nothing like that. Just, you know, little. So you don't know what's going to elicit emotional responses right. from people. That's true. I mean, but if you're playing with the, uh, I know that Saul's recently been in a game where they were playing and and the the GM had they were they stole stole children. Oh and yes. I think um my friend Mike had a hard time with that because he has three girls, right? Who are and, younger? Yes. Well, they're teenagers now, but even then, I think it or maybe not all of them are teenagers, but I think so. it affected him in a an instinctual way or something. And well, it really bo it, it, it really bothered him. him. It really bothered him. And what's weird is that that it didn't bother me you know i'm like oh cool i'm mean, not cool but I, oh that's interesting <laughs> oh, cool let's uh, go find him and kill him but it did affect my friend mike and i was like well really he goes yeah he goes i don't know he goes i'm like oh and i, I thought it was sometimes strange you don't know what will affect yes you, right? yeah and, and i don't think he would have thought of that as affecting him the way that it did but it just kind of it freaked him out kind of right yeah i think it did it i think it, it was kind of strange and i think you know playing role-playing games you know as adults 
you know, it does stuff like that happens, and it's kind of weird. But well, it's like when you read a good book or a true. scary book, or see or, a good show, or you watch a show. Yeah, like so. Like Augustine and I are going through the X Files again. Oh. And every once in a while, we watch one of them, and I go, and I remember, oh, this scared me the first time I watched it, <laughs> and then it does the same thing. But you don't even, you don't even realize it's gonna do it, right? So that's kind of a, that's a cathartic thing, maybe. Yeah, you know maybe. that, like you're you're reliving that fear, and then you realize that you're having the fear again, and then you know that it's okay because they take care of it. It's funny because and and, and some things don't even have to be real, right? Like in X-Files they kind of be quasi real. But like I was, you know, every time I watch The Death of Boromir, it kind of tugs at those certain parts of my heart that I'm like, man, this is like it gets really emotional every freaking time I watch that scene. Even when you know that it's coming. Even when, of course I know. I've seen that freaking movie like a dozen times. It's easy. You know, and every time and I I've, I've talked to about about it to other people. And yes, and if you have that kind of experience in the game, if you have a character, you know, characters with, that you're close with in the game or really attached to, and one of them does that heroic death scene, and it could elicit that kind of reaction. Well, yeah. 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 Somebody so sacrificing you, you might need to know the people you're playing with. Cause that <laughs> but at a convention, you don't. You know, no. no, no. In fact, what was weird for me is that my Tales of the Loop game, everybody I played with was nobody I knew. Uh, nobody I had actually ever played with, I don't think, which was actually kind of strange because usually there's somebody there who's either I know or not. They're not a friend of mine. You know, I know as an acquaintance, but this one, they were all complete strangers, which was kind of weird, but pretty cool. Well, when you talk about the Boromir thing, and I know we're going on, but you can edit. When you talk about the <laughs> Boromir thing, I think that 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 one is a is a good one for eliciting an emotional response, right? Well, that's because, what you're trying to do. Because that's the hero, right? Right. And everybody in, in our D&D games is playing a hero, right? You're trying to save the princess, Doing help something. the king, Unless you're the find daughter. the... Well, <laughs> even then, a hero always has a flaw, right? Yes, that's true. Joseph Campbell. The Boromir scene always affects me because he's saving the little guys. He had just fallen to his flaw, right? He tried to take the ring from Frodo. Yes. And then he came out of that and he has a heroic death scene where he's trying to save uh, Merry and Pippin. And he realizes what he has done, right? Yeah. And then and then he he saves himself by dying. Right. So that is an emotional thing, right? Of course. I never yeah. thought about it that way as for yes. in playing a game because that doesn't usually happen in our games. Although, you know, people don't you don't usually kill off the players, but we do have them. <laughs> we do have scenes where you almost kill off the players and some barbarian steps in the way so that I won't die. That kind of thing. Or, or yeah, the yeah. rogue. <laughs> Imagine something like that happening in your game. If if. If it was between you and another character, and the other player decides to take a hit for you because he knows that you Don't have the possibility any. of saving the rest of the group with your spells, and it does the ultimate sacrifice, right? Well, even in our game where one of the characters wanted to stop playing a certain character, and oh yeah, and become back and come back as yes. a different character, that had it. I didn't. I I knew I knew what was happening at the time, but I watched the people that didn't know what was happening. And it freaked them out. <laughs> they were like, I just remember Kathy going, no, what are we going to do? We can't let that happen. Yes. And it was it was pretty good. It was a pretty good scene. I think we've talked about it before. So I was saying that it affected my friend Kathy a lot. Right. Because she didn't know what was going to happen. Even though some people at the table knew what was going to happen. Yes. They didn't say anything because it was a very interesting, interesting scene. scene where. And Chris the, didn't know either. Yeah. And they were like. 
and and Chris was like, okay, we got to go and we got to catch him. We have to catch him before he hits the ground because he jumped out of a, or he fell out of a. He jumped off of an airship. Yes. Because basically some guy was going to blow up the airship because he was carrying like a suicide vest bomb thingy. And he, what he did is he jumped on him and caused him to fall to the ground. And then the, the he jumped on him. I forget what he, oh, he jumped on him. He was riding a beast and he knocked him off the beast and they both fell. And they're like, oh, somebody's got to go down there and save him to, to pick him up. And I'm like, well, all you know, he was the last one to go. And so he falls down. And then to make things worse, the bomb goes off and blows up. <laughs> so my friend Chris, goes, we got to go down there and find a body. And it, sure enough, you know, even though, uh, you know, well, you know, you know what happened. And he goes, well, later on, they go back and try to find a body and they couldn't find a body. So. It was an interesting scene. I, I think uh, you're right. I did. I did go for affecting their um, emotions in that in that scene. And it did. And it did, except for the people who already knew. Well, even even the people who knew, like me, I didn't know. I didn't realize that what was happening until until he goes. He falls over and and he's falling right. And then I'm all, oh, this I is know what's scene. happening. Uh, yes. And then, but then it was it was a really weird experience for me because by that time my friend is sitting next to me and she's like going. No, no, we gotta do something, and I'm like going, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that was cool. I thought it was cool. So I could see why people use those kind yeah. of emotional scenes in their game, and it and it's it is cool because that's but, you know when but you, you but the character knew what was gonna happen, right? He was coming back as a different character. It wasn't like a it wasn't the like yeah the player yes yeah. yeah the player who died yes yes and so but basically when when that happens, people you know me and Jason the the player decided that I wanted him to go out in a place of glory. And I don't know if that was his, you know, his. That was Saul's vision. <laughs> I don't know if it was his vision or maybe he, he said something along those lines. But I thought it was a great idea. And I'm like, yeah, let's let's do that. And so we hadn't really talked about it. I was trying to figure out what was going to happen. And I go, well, this is a good time to kill off one character and bring in the other. So the new character was on the airship already and the old character jumps off of it. And so it worked out really good. Worked out really good, I thought. That's the first time that I've ever been in a game where that happened. Saul <laughs> <laughs> so usually doesn't kill off our characters no, on, I purpose. Do not. No. on purpose. No. <laughs> Every once in a while, we get pretty close. <laughs> and that's that's the point. That's 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 bad enough. I that's, mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah, where yeah, I want to yeah, be. Yeah. Right at the where you guys are like wondering whether you guys are gonna make it or not. I think that's what I'm going for. Yeah. Not necessarily kill off your. And I think you party. get to a point where you're okay with it if your character dies as you know you can just make a new character because it's not real life right what what i don't know when 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 my brother felipe years ago killed off my first character i was uh, 12 years old and i started crying cause, <laughs> well that's hard yeah because he, he killed me with a what happened when you started to cry he was, well, no, he, he was my brother he didn't give a crap <laughs> he was like well, don't be a baby i'm like well you killed off my character for no reason I threw one spell. I missed the death save. Boom! I was dead. That's original D and D people. That's horrible. Yes, it was exactly. I was like eighth level magic user, and he killed me with a finger of death. Damn cleric. Well, there you go. Evil cleric at that. So cathartic gaming. I think it's a a thing. A, a thing. It's about val- <laughs> it's valuable because I think it, more or less we all do it on a spectrum from just pure escapism to real cathartic cathartic gaming and having a cathartic cathartic moment in your game be but as which a you GM, may re- realize or not realize is happening yeah as a gm you got to be cognizant of that kind of thing going on and that 
role playing does elicit emotions, you know. And, and if that happens, you should make sure you you're you make sure everybody is okay. Yes. Right? Yes. If you have like you know, stop the game. Hey, are you okay? It's fine. And if it's still a problem, you know, just eliminate that scene and or not eliminate, but go away from that scene. Yeah. Know, and move on. But I think it's a, an important part of our gaming uh, experience. World experience, exactly. I don't know what else to say about that. Yes. So uh, send us an email uh, if you have any comments or go to our Facebook page. Gaming or tell us your experiences. Or tell us your experience. We'd love to hear. Or if you have any ideas on future topics, hey, you know, want to see us to talk about something, we'll gladly talk about it. So this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul. And Jolene. And you have a good day.